You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarland. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bose. I am joined by, of course, Trish McFarland. Trish, how are you today? I am fantastic. How are you today? I am well, thank you. It is, uh, you know, give, we don't like to give away all the, the HR Happy Hour secrets, and, and we are <laughs> recording these things often kind of more in advance of when they run than, than we used to, but it is, as we record this, we are scant hours away from the 4th of July. Uh, Independence Day holiday. I know. Uh, weekend. Happy birthday, here America. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, never look better. Never don't, don't. We don't look a day over 234. However there old you go. We are. <laughs> but uh, so looking forward to that. Looking forward to a nice summer summer weekend, and that will be super fun. So yeah, I feel good. Good. Well, you know what? I like this time of year, though. I feel like it's it's of course for the holidays, but I feel like every weekend is becoming like going to a lake or people are going to the beach or they're going, you know, there's a lot of outdoor water activities. So I feel like I am just like constantly in the water, whether it's swimming or boating or whatever. It's lots of water right now. All right. Well, that sounds good. Uh, uh, I don't have that uh, here, but uh, no? maybe uh, uh, in upstate New York. <laughs> well, there's a big lake, but it's not the kind of and no, I don't think anybody swims in it. It's not that kind of a lake. I don't not think. That kind but of, do um, people boat on that lake? Yeah, I, I guess they do. And for um, our listeners, which lake is it? Which lake are you by? I'm talking about. I'm thinking of Lake Ontario. I mean, there are okay. other lakes, but that's that's okay. the substantial that's the big one, one that you, okay. in the area. It's a great boat on Ontario. Okay. Right. Right. People do. I I don't. Oh, they do. You don't. Um, Okay. Others do. Yeah. Others do. But yeah, so uh, super excited for for that. And uh, yeah, good stuff on the network. Just keep an eye on uh, many good things that have been published recently and and to come. I don't even go through the rundown yet because there's so 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 many many. recorded haven't run yet. There's one that we recorded hasn't run as yet we record, but maybe we'll have by the time you hear this, I do want to mention it because it was super fun, um, which is with Dick Richardson. And we talked all about the Apollo leadership experience down in Houston at NASA. And man, that, what a great show that is, was hopefully you can, you, you will be able to hear it or have heard it already, but, Man, that was one of the best ones we've done, I think, in, in six months, probably. Oh, at least. And, you know, Dick Richardson is so interesting. I really could listen to him talk just all day, all night. He's such a brilliant storyteller anyway. And you take a good storyteller who then have just like so happens to have like all these situations. You know, I don't want to give anything away, yeah. but like all these all these situations that happen to Yeah, let's him. not give away the big reveal no, on that show. Too. No, no, but just that, sh- again, yeah. put into situations that maybe a lot of us aren't put into and handles them beautifully. And then, of course, has wonderful stories with lessons from it. So it's, um, it was, he's so interesting. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, make sure you check that one out. Uh, you have an idea for a topic or a guest you'd like us to to think about, let us know. Tweet us at HR Happy Hour or send us an email. 
Steve at h3hr.com or Trish at h3hr.com. Our Alexa show is still going strong. We were actually just talking about that pre-show. It I is. recorded one this morning with a little kind of summer vacation-y, taking time off kind of theme. Um, you can check that out on your Alexa device. Just look for the HR happy hour skill in your Alexa app. And of course, HR Tech Conference tickets are on sale now. Go to www.hrtechconference.com. Use my code Steve300 for $300 off your registration. Finally, this show today is sponsored by our friends at Culture Amp, the platform that turns your company culture into your competitive advantage. Your employee data tells you what's happened in the past, but what if it could tell you what might happen next? Using data from over 3 million employees, Culture Amp's machine learning algorithms make it easy to predict turnover, telling you not just who might leave, but also why. See how you can get ahead of turnover with your free predictive analytics report, which is available at cultureamp.com forward slash happy. And thanks to them. All right, just one last thing before we welcome our guest. Okay. I have a slight bone to pick with you. Just oh, a small what's that? one, but I'm going to bring it up publicly. Oh my because, goodness. Are we going to have know, a fight? I got two things. And I, <laughs> and I hope our guest is being patient because he is waiting in the wings. We're going to bring him on in a second, but this preamble is getting a little longer than normal. Fight. <laughs> I, I actually have two things. One I've learned okay. today, I've had several calls today and okay. a lot of times on, on just business calls, these are just, you know, work calls, stuff with the conference, other things, just normal businessy calls. And there's always that little bit of, um, small talky kind of preamble right often that happens in these calls like hey right. what's going on how's your weekend you know right and, and i found that i often don't really want to participate in any of that true on these calls especially with people i don't really know like i don't know personally right that right. that i they're just it, it's a straight up kind of work contact i always feel it's my little problem but like i, I really don't want to talk about you know my weekend plans or my family or or anything, honestly, I, I really don't. I'm, I'm funny that way, but I'm not. I don't have a problem with talking about it on this show because I feel like, like, there many thousands of people will listen to this, right? But like, <laughs> I don't have to look at them, and uh, <laughs> so I'm comfortable. Um, I'm comfortable talking. The about anonymity, some of that stuff on this show. exactly. But here's the bone to pick with you, by the way. Oh, That's okay. just that All was right. just an aside. That was just something I, I thought about today. Okay. I found I'm I was writing getting ready to find a, a notebook to have some notes available to me because usually during the course of the show I'll write down a couple of notes if the guest says something right. interesting or I, you say something I want to follow up and I'll write a note down. And this notebook's an old notebook, I guess it, it had some blank pages in it. But as I turn the, to the next oh, blank gosh. page, you know what I found, Trish, in this notebook? No, no. What? There's no way you can know. But okay, it's my what? notes from when I watched when I watched Flash Dance some time back when we did the. Right, the, the maybe the last show. one we did the work, workplace movie hall of fame series and we did the flash dance show and so here's we my did. bone to pick with you okay. we need to do another workplace movie hall of fame show soon uh and well and we've watched uh, the movie remember i told you because yes, everyone, so i did the watch the movie the listeners love the shows right and so we We're we do have that. we do have one do you want to do you want to tell what movie we're going to be reviewing i believe it's if i remember correctly it's free solo right exactly we're free solo exactly so is... listeners i'm telling you now if you have not seen the movie go watch free solo because steve and i are going to like break it down from a workplace standpoint it's a brilliant movie actually i really loved it so and i believe i found it on hulu that's where i think i watched it so if you if you're a hulu person it's there and it's probably in some other places too i don't know but i that's watched where I it somewhere it. over the pacific ocean but yes 
Okay. So that's the deal. All right. Let's okay. make sure we do that. Okay. All right. We we'll should probably it. get on with the actual let's show. We do have it. a show tonight. Our guest today is Damon Klotz from Culture Amp. Damon's career has seen him travel the world, having conversations about the human experience, human connection, and human potential. Damon's career started in the HR industry, where he quickly became a sought-after speaker and consultant on innovative people practices and technology adoption. He also worked in the social entrepreneurship space, where he co-founded Spur Projects, an organization that uses technology and marketing to reduce the suicide rate of men in Australia. Wow, that's pretty cool. Since joining Culture Amp as an early employee, he's been the driving force behind their community, one of the largest in the world with over 60,000 members. His state of flow is asking questions, telling stories, strategizing about the future of work and the role that people, organizations, and technology will play in that future. Damon, welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. How are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, so great to have the chance to chat today. Yeah, that's great. And thanks for bearing with us. That was an eight-minute preamble. To, oh, my to goodness. The time we, so that, that was a record. So, uh, <laughs> I was going to ask, my fault. Is, is that a record? It probably is. <laughs> Usually five is about it. I would cut him off, except then he was going on and on and on. So we won't, we won't go yeah. through that again. We're glad to have you on the well, show, though. And can, can we just say here, Steve, we have known him for so long. Can you remind us, Damon, like what year was it that we met? Was it as far back as like 2010, 2011? I mean, it's been a long time, right? So if we use LinkedIn as the source of truth for when was a connection first made, and I know that's not always the truth, but okay. um, so Trish, you and I were connected in 2010 and okay. uh, Steve and I were in uh, 2012. Okay, good. I thought uh, it was as far back as 2010. So yeah, well, w- welcome. We should yeah. have had you on much sooner. So we're glad you're here now. And just for some context about how long ago that was, like 2012, like Kony was going viral. And in 2010, the uh, Icelandic volcanoes happened, which kind of grounded all those planes. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, it has been a long time coming. <laughs> but um, you, was, you were definitely two of the first uh, overseas people uh, being based in Australia that I connected with in terms of, you know, who could I learn from, from my global network of people I was trying to reach out to in the HR space. So, you know, Australia is a beautiful country of, you know, less less than 26 million people. And I wanted to make sure I was connecting with all the different thinkers from around the world. And uh, you two were definitely two of the first that I had the chance to connect with. Awesome. Oh, thank you. It also just means we're old, I think, too. That's the subtext <laughs> there. But... <laughs> no, so. the other thing I like about that is that when you've been connected with someone that long, I mean, it was interesting um, as I was reading the bio before the show, it's like you've really achieved so much in the last, say, eight to 10 years. And and your world has changed. Our worlds have each changed, right? We've worked for different people and and done lots of different things. So I think there's always, it's interesting when you've got kind of that history with, with someone you're going to have on the show. So it, it just makes for richer conversation. Yeah. I heard recently that it's always easy to look back and connect the dots, but when you're in the moment, it's, you know, it's close to impossible to see how they all connect and mm-hmm. um, reflecting on, on the last 10 years. I definitely think I fell in and out of HR several times, but if you were right. to look at it as like a consistent path, it actually makes a bit of sense. Absolutely. Well, good. Cool. Well, we're glad you're on the show and we can't wait to kind of dive into today's topic because it's actually one that comes up in the context of so many other HR related topics that it, it just makes sense to have a show dedicated to this. So Steve, do you want to uh, kick us off? 
Sure. Yeah. We wanted to talk today about this idea of, um, and maybe Damon can help explain what he means by it, but this idea of being a culture first company and what that means. So before we like sort of dive into some of the details, why it matters, why it's important. And, and you may have to sort of convince me on a couple of things, Damon, I've been a little bit of a skeptic on some of these topics over the years. Maybe we can kick it off with that. Like, you know, this was uh, a thing you guys talk about a ton at Culture Ramp and you talk about a lot personally, you know, and have over the years. I'd love for you to just what does this even mean, this culture first company idea? And what's it start to look like in organizations? Or, or just kind of give us a little context before we get into some of the details. Yeah, and I think a healthy level of skepticism is always important. And especially with a, a topic and a word as broad as culture. Um, obviously, it's in sure. the name of the company that I work for with Culture Amp. But for us, if you want to talk about culture first in its, like, its simplest fashion, it's an organizational commitment to actually putting culture first. I think when people talk about it, uh, it can be like a, a byproduct or it can be something that's just talked about at the end. And, you know, due to the incredible numbers we've had this year, you know, we've been very successful. Oh, and our employees like us. And it's, it's kind of always seen as the last thing that you might talk about as opposed to being the first thing. So in its simplest nature, it is what would it look like to always think about the impact on people and culture as the first thing that we talk about, not as the last thing. And I think so many of our experiences are just shaped by a lot of the things that we don't spend enough time talking about, whether it's, you know, communication styles, the amount of feedback you get, how your performance is evaluated, the working relationships you have mm -hmm. with your employees, uh, how key decisions are communicated. Like so many of those things have drastic impacts on um, our time at work. And it's sometimes the things that we talk about last. And our kind of idea is what would it look like to actually talk about this first and see that as the driver of success? You know, Damon, that's super interesting and helpful. And and, and this kind of even makes me think of of why I have been in the past, like, I don't want to say not skeptical in terms of not believing that that culture and being uh, intentional about culture is really important. But m the way I would always think about it was, in, 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 and maybe it's not really being skeptical, it's just being taking a different approach to it, is the first thing you have to think about is like the the strategy like the, the business, right? What we're doing, right? What, what it is we're trying to uh, um, create, say. And the example I used to always use, right? Back, this, this dates us all, right? Back to 2010 and 2012 when we first talked about how we first met was like the, the company that everybody talked about as the culture company was Zappos, right? For, for better or worse, right? Here in the US, sure. right? Zappos, Zappos, Zappos. And I argued like for, for a long time that Zappos wasn't necessarily about the culture first. It was about this business strategy first, which was we'll send you a pair of shoes in 24 hours and we'll take it back. No questions asked if you don't like it. And I didn't, and I argued that that wasn't culture. That was business. Right. And, and um, so I'd love for you maybe to comment on that. Like what's that kind of dynamic maybe between, between say this, the business strategy or, or the, the product and service strategy and the culture and how do, how do they work together? Cause that's what I've, I think, honestly, Damon, I felt like I've struggled with in, in wrestling with these concepts over the years. Yeah. Thanks for bringing up that example. I think it, um, it hits home for a number of reasons. One, I remember being so bought into the idea of the Zappos culture that I ordered their culture book <laughs> and it was delivered for free to my house in Brisbane, Australia, when I was, I think, a you know third year business student. And like they were literally yeah. productizing their culture, which was incredible. Um, I think what you mentioned was their, their business strategy, which what I would call is their, is their brand promise, which is, you know, we will deliver on this brand promise in 24 hours, which is you'll have shoes. And if you don't like them, we will facilitate a way to get them back. 
the way that we kind of think about this and how it links to culture is that, uh, you know, brand is a promise to your customers and then culture is how you deliver on that promise. So if the employees were operating in a culture that actually they got frustrated by people who were constantly sending things back, or if the processes were set up in a way where, you know, dealing with customers was actually, um, you know, not fun or it wasn't measured against your performance or how many customers that you, you know, gave a joyous experience to was not linked to how the, you know, the culture and the company's trying to run, then there'd be a huge disconnect that would have meant Zappos would have gone out of business instead of actually being acquired for, you know, a significant sure. amount of money. So for me, when I think about that, it's that it's that brand promises to the customer. And if the employees aren't bought in and if the culture is not actually aligned to what that brand promise is, then you will see this disconnect all the time. Um, one of the examples that I think about is I studied um, human resources and marketing in my business degree. And it took me a little while to kind of see why I think this is such a strong connection point and why these two departments need to spend so much time speaking to each other. Picture a company that goes through a huge rebranding exercise. They make this brand new promise to the world about, you know, this is who we are. If you don't take the employees on that journey with you and if they're not um, you know, trained and ready and bought into that process, if they feel like the decision hasn't been made with any feedback from them, there is very little percent success rate, in my opinion, of you actually being able to, del to deliver on that because the employees haven't been taken on that journey as well. So for me, uh, when I think about the idea of culture first and business strategy together, I also think about you know marketing and HR working together and whether we're actually providing a consistent customer experience and employee experience. You know, it's interesting because I think one of the things that I hear people struggle with when they're talking about their culture or even impacting it or what they can do to you know, ensure that that's being communicated. It is about sort of that inconsistent message sometimes is where the breakdown happens. So I'm glad that you mentioned you really need to have that consistency, you know, among departments and among maybe the people that are more vocal about sharing that culture externally as well, right? Whether it's with a customer or a potential employee or whoever you're, you're dealing with. Um, and that those, those, um, I guess, versions of the culture that has to match. It can't be like a different story from marketing and a different story from HR, for example. Yeah. And I think we're seeing more and more companies start thinking about actually looking at this holistically, which is, you know, the business performance, the, the company brand, the internal values, you know, measuring employee feedback along the way and actually looking for those moments of inconsistency or moments where they can actually, you know, see a, a, a disconnect. Um, it can be as simple as, you know what, our sales staff aren't motivated right now. They're telling us that they're looking to leave in the next two years. There's no way we're going to be hitting our business goals all the way down to, you know, our company values aren't resonating with employees whatsoever. And there's no way that we're going to, you know, drive this digital transformation that we're trying to go on or pivot the business. Um, one of my favorite examples of a company that I've got to know over the past sort of four or five years since moving out to the US was, you know, the idea of what Adobe did to really pivot their business. and I think for me is one of the best examples of a business strategy and a culture strategy aligning at the same time, which is they used to sell all of their products through, you know, uh, sending out discs to people and software. They were trying to become a, a digital business and they were trying to move into this, you know, new world of work that was happening around them. For them to actually, you know, deliver on that sort of change, they actually looked at all the technology that they were using inside Adobe and looked at what is the most modern uh, solutions that we can bring in when it comes to measuring our employee experience because we need to have a consistent approach inside the company to what we're trying to deliver to the market. I think, um, I know for me personally, I've worked at places where, um, 
you know, the technology that you have to use inside the company is so <laughs> outdated compared to what you're trying to even, you know, say to the market or trying to, you know, present to others that you're like, you just kind of feel a bit disingenuous around what is actually like, what are the resources that are available to employees to actually go do the work that we're being asked to do versus what the world expects of us. Yeah, Damon, that's a great example. The Adobe example, I'm reminded of, of similar examples. So one which I sort of had lived through directly many years ago or some few years ago now too, and, and similar kinds of changes and similar kinds of challenges. And I remember thinking lots of times when we were struggling with some of those some of those changes and, and some of that transformation that, you know, like, why is this so hard? You know, these are just technical problems and we've got the best technical people in the world, you know, here, we, we, we can't just figure these out, but it, it turns out they really, I mean, there were some technical challenges, but ultimately it wasn't really about that, right? It was much more about um, aligning people, changing processes, uh, changing kind of the way we interacted with each other and with the customers, right? In order to make that, that business pivot. So I think that example is a really good one. And one I should have thought of myself when I was talking about this <laughs> stuff more a couple of years ago, I, I definitely made a note of that one. I'm definitely going to try to steal it. Yeah, hey, Damon, one it. other question I, I, I wanted to talk about a little bit too, because one of the other problems, and again, let's, let's just make this all about me, Trish, right? I'm just making this it, show entirely about me. It feels like it is I, today. That's okay. What, what, what's bothering okay. me. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, what about kind of like, the best way to phrase this, like making this um, managed for lack of a better word, right? Because sometimes I think I struggled with the culture conversations and especially the leading with culture kinds of conversations because I didn't understand how we could, if it was even possible to manage it or to measure it or to to explicitly work to improve it. I mean, are those things things you, you, you think about or you think about when you work with uh, your clients, Damon? And is it is it indeed possible to understand culture better and understand how it works and how it impacts business? Yeah. When I think about, I used to guest lecture on HR technology in Australia in 2011, and there was about a six month window from me graduating from that university and then becoming the guest lecturer on HR technology. Wow. It just really That's pretty wasn't, impressive. Yeah. There was just no one really talking about it a lot in Australia. And I think at least not in the modern technology that I was thinking about. And I was thinking about this broadly in terms of, not only like SaaS applications and, you know, the sort of vendors that would be at HR technology conference, but also just like the impact of consumer technology and what that was doing to the world of work. And um, so I, I've been analyzing the use of technology in the workplace for, you know, nearly 10 years now. And I think we have got to a place where, you know, eight years ago, if we were having this conversation, it'd be very easy just to be like, you know what, we can't measure these things. This is all soft and fluffy. This is a really nice philosophy you're putting out there, Damon, but like, you know, a CEO or a COO just doesn't care. I think what we have seen now with the rise of, you know, platforms that do help you measure your people and culture when you can actually articulate what it means, be very clear about like what, what you stand for and then measure against those things and tie it to business outcomes that, you know, these are the sort of the dashboards and, and the reports that uh, CEOs, COOs, CHROs, you know, down to managers and employees are now expecting. I think we are... We want to be able to log in and understand how how do I get better as an individual? How do I get better as a team? How do I, how am I fitting into the the world that is this organization that I've decided to sign up for? You know, if you do choose to actually work for a company, which I know is obviously uh, the changing nature of work, it means that you know you don't necessarily have to align yourself to a company. So if you do, I think the actual 
like picking one that's intentional, picking one that stands for something and is measuring against it, it's going to become more and more important. I think for me, that's actually why I think this space is going to, you know, get even bigger and bigger is because the people that are actually deciding to choose to work for a company are going to become even more intentional because for a lot of people, it's just not the default anymore. You know, it's interesting when you're, when you're saying it like that, I'm thinking back to, you know, five, 10 years ago, do you think that it was that culture was really only thought about in the context of recruitment and getting people in was when we had the the thought about culture and that's why we weren't as far along as like now, are you seeing more of your clients, I guess, who are really embracing it throughout the employee life cycle, that discussion around culture differently than you have a while back? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, to give you an example of all the different touch points that someone um, could measure using something like culture amp, you know, it starts with measuring the candidate experience and whether that, you know, matches to the employer brand. And I think that's where a lot of it did start around, you know, the culture is what you need to articulate in your employer branding campaigns. And then uh, we've been moved, moved on to help people measure, you know, the onboarding experience in terms of like expectations and behaviors that they want to see by day 7, 30, 90. Um, then you start sort of embedding in the, you know, measuring things like employee engagement, diversity, inclusion, um, measuring the impact of your wellness initiatives, whether there's a sense of belonging, uh, all the way through to things, um, you know, like exit and connecting all those dots together. I think what you're looking for is a consistent culture that, you know, people are joining for the reasons that you're saying to the market, they're having the experience that you're trying to articulate about, you know, what success looks like from measuring things like engagement and performance, all the way through to then if someone does choose to exit, like what are those reasons? How do we learn from it? How do we then, you know, loop that feedback back into what we're trying to do from an onboarding and candidate experience to truly understand how to actually learn from that. And like seeing all those things in the one place for the, for the first time for so many people, uh, you know, really is this eye-opening experience where it used to be disparate pieces of data that they were trying to, you know, plug together to try create some unified employee experience. So I think the fact that you can see it in one place is obviously so much easier for a company to then, then articulate what is happening. Damon, you know, one other thing I wanted to ask you about was um, kind of uh, kind of contributions or um, kind of the role of the individual inside the organization and inside the culture. And, and I, I don't know whether the words accountability or responsibility, et cetera, et cetera. I guess there's two parts to this question. One is kind of uh, your own kind of personal alignment or responsibility to the organizational culture. And then, then so I guess the, the follow-up or, or maybe the broader question is kind of overall I don't want to say ownership, let's say stewardship of culture. And, 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 and do you think in organizations, is that the HR the, the role or is it the, the, or, the organizational leader's role, like the C-suite's role, or is it kind of a shared kind of stewardship that everybody owns? I'd love for you to sort of maybe just comment on both those things, if you could, kind of the individual as well as kind of then the overall kind of stewardship, for lack of a better word. I think the individual has a incredible opportunity to drive significant parts of the culture and, and the employee experience that people have around them. Uh, I'm always reminded of the quote around, you know, whether I feel like I'm big enough to make a change. And it, it goes back to, if you don't think you're big enough to make a change, you know, spend the night with a mosquito in the room. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's this small thing that has such a huge impact on, on your night's sleep. And when I think about individuals, I think both for positive and negative reasons, they have such a huge impact on your employee experience, on the organizational culture, on the team culture, 
and whether you hit goals. And, you know, some examples of that, there might be an employee who always keeps very loose agreements, who, you know, sheds responsibility, who doesn't have very clear goals or OKRs or performance metrics in place. You know, that has a significant impact on those around them. On the flip side, you know, I think we've all witnessed the power of an incredible leader, you know, someone who runs great team meetings, who constantly seeks feedback from people, who understands that how we work is just as, as important as the work that we do. You know, those individuals then have this exponential network effect on everyone else around them. And very quickly, when you start like analyzing, you know, ONA or other sort of sources of data, you're like, why does everyone keep flocking to that team? Like, why are there always internal transfers? Go work, work in that team. You know, what, mm. what, what I found when I look at that, it's usually there's an individual there who's a very conscious leader or a conscious employee who's just having this beautiful ripple effect on those around them. So I definitely think the individual can have a huge impact on the culture and the performance of a company. Um, your second question yeah. was about the company and sort of like what are the more broader um, intentions? Right. Right. Yeah. Like the kind of who's, is there an executive level say, or an HR level responsibility for this, you know, and I don't want, I don't want to say HR has got to be the culture police necessarily, but I I just, how that functions and how that, that, how that lives inside the organization. I've always thought is interesting. Yeah. The way that I think about it is um, the CEO is responsible for putting a vision and a mission out there in terms of, you know, the why of the company. You then have different levels of people who are then asked to then deliver on that. And then I don't necessarily see it as, I think, you know, the CHRO has a huge responsibility in terms of like measuring the the employee experience. Uh, What is the actual strategy around our people and culture that we're trying to drive? You know, there's so much work that, um, so much valuable work that I've loved working on in that space. But when I think about, can anyone in any department impact this? Then yes, when if we analyze startups and experience since moving out to San Francisco and, you know, joining a company as one of the first 15 employees and watching it grow to 400 is you just learn in this rapid way about like what actually matters. And one of the things that I've observed both working for culture Amp and looking at some of the you know companies in our community is the idea of cultural co-founders. These are people who regardless of role or level, because, you know, a lot of these early employees, you know, the leveling systems aren't, aren't even placed yet. These are the people who carry stories, who embody values that you want to keep around. Like you need them to be able to like, how do I give you a microphone? How do I give you an amplifier to make sure that, you know, employee 200, employee 500, employee 1000 can feel the same things that you feel and can feel the passion that you have for them through the power of storytelling. So we've done something at Culture called Values Onboarding which is separate from the actual onboarding experience about how do we ramp you up you know, quickly and effectively, which is how do we make sure we ramp you up when it comes to actually understanding our values? You know, When we say them, do they mean something to you? Uh, one of the culture first characteristics that I think about a lot is, you know, are your values demonstrated through behaviors or through banners? You know, banners <laughs> existed to get a message out to people on the wall, right? And it's something you walk past and you know, it's like this false reminder where a behavior is something that you see you know, take place often and you'll see it can be used positively or negative, you know, in a negative fashion as well. So uh, for me, that's kind of, you know, those cultural co-founders are one of the ways through storytelling that you can actually showcase that anyone outside of HR or anyone of any level can have such a tremendous experience of actually making sure that every employee who joins can feel that same sense of belonging and, and understanding of what really matters. I love that idea because I think that if you think back to companies you've worked for, you probably can 
you know, name five people right off the top of your head, who would be those people? It's just maybe they haven't been called out in, in such an explicit way, but it makes sense that you would really put some, you know, some power and some storytelling behind that because you do have those, those champions already, right, of the company culture. So why not sort of promote that that's who they are? I also love that it's regardless of title or level or, you know, wh whoever's most passionate about working there, kind of sharing what they feel. I think it's a great, gosh, what a great idea. I never thought of that. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's certainly open to, like, I think we, we have, like, a sort of after you hit the three months mark, you can apply to be, become a value storyteller, which then sort of showcases that you get people who've been there for, you know, between, you know, I've been with Coltram over, over four years. We've got some of our longer-serving employees at the seven- or eight-year mark. You're going to get those stories from, like, you know, from forever ago when we were a bootstrapped company in Australia. And then you're going to have someone who's joined three months ago who's telling you the, you know, the stories that they're hearing, how the values are showing up for them. Each of those stories are going to be different, but each of those stories are true and they're a representation of that person's experience. So for me, that's one of the ways to really uh, distribute culture and also just use the power of storytelling to make sure that, um, you know, when gossip spreads faster than important stories, like, you know, how values are sort of showing up, to me, like that's a sign of a company that's probably anti-culture first and one that's sort of spreading the wrong messages inside the company. So there's definitely things and, you know, whether that's a human resource or people ops initiative or whether it's something that the CEO wants to kind of, you know, roll out. Um, these are just some of the ways that uh, people can sort of make sure that, that those stories are heard. Hey, hey, Damon, one last thing for me, which was, which would be, I love this, by the way, that I wrote down the values on boarding and quotes, like in big letters on my, in my notebook, right after I wrote that Flashdance was the ninth largest grossing movie in 1983. <laughs> so um, what, what's one or two things that you guys do, or you work with companies on in terms of just doing those check-ins, right? Let, you know, we've, we, we, we've articulated our values. We're clear. We're very intentional about what we kind of believe, what we stand for, the kinds of kind of organization we want to be, how we want to treat each other, et cetera, et cetera. You're doing all those things. You're, you're onboarding people in, in the manner that you described. What are one or two things uh, that organizations can do to just, uh, I don't know, just pulse check, just make sure things as they grow, as you said, right? You talked about Culture Amp growing uh, quite a bit as a company, as that, that we're not losing sight of those important things over time. Because it can be easy to when other things come up that that always feel more important. Yeah, and I think that's where the power of feedback really comes in. And this is not feedback for feedback's sake. I think one of the things that uh, we believe, both for us as well as for you know the thousands of customers that we work with, is that you know the role of measuring people and culture and measuring feedback is actually because you're trying to take action. You know, you're trying to listen to your employees, give them a voice. And then actually take action on what they're hearing. Um, you know, one of the one of the worst examples that I've heard is, uh, you know, rolling out something like a you know, engagement survey, and then you know, and this is a story from about four or five years ago, getting the results back and seeing that that was so bad that you're going to do nothing with them, or not even tell your employees that you, you've got the results. And I'm like, how did you think you? Like, how do you think you're looking at this data? Your employees told you these things. So the fact that you're not willing to acknowledge it, you know, to me, that's kind of like, that's one of those huge warning signs. The opposite of that is, you know, regular check-ins around, you know, measuring, like, do the values still resonate? You know, wh what are some of those things around, like, linking belonging to engagement and performance to engagement and things like, you know, does someone see themselves there in two years' time? Do you have a potential, you know, attrition risk coming up? Measuring those things often, but then not just saying that we've heard you, 
saying that we're willing to do something about it, you know, choosing actions that you, um, will actually help drive the culture forward because culture is always changing. And, you know, what you measured two or three years ago is, is not going to be the same as what you're hearing from your employees now. So doing it often, but doing it only as often as you can take action on, I think there's nothing worse than feeling like you've had your voice heard and then being asked the same thing six months later and saying, well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you <laughs> right. again. And then nothing happens again. And you're like, well, I'm, I'm not going to tell you a third time. And, you know, that that's right. frustrating in a personal, um, you know, in a personal experience all the way down to, you know, actually in the context of work. Well, and yeah. you know what, maybe having you as a partner is sort of the thing that people have been missing, right? Because I, I have worked at those companies where they had very good intentions around asking those questions about what the, you know, what needed to be done to sort of improve the culture or further certain aspects of the values and, and things, the behaviors that people were doing, but whether it was being short staffed, I mean, it might not have been a, a, a true, you know, wanting to avoid the results, but this sometimes you just didn't have enough people or, or you didn't know how it sounds like too, if they partner with culture amp, they're, they're also getting kind of that impartial, um, you know, coaching that they need to make those, those next steps um, and not just let it kind of slip to the wayside and be like, Oh, we'll just do another survey in six months. So it's probably a little bit of, you know, a benefit there, just having someone external to your company kind of looking and, and helping you along as opposed to if you try and do it yourself, I think. Yeah. And based on my experience working in, you know, large HR departments in government organizations, all the way down to quite small ones, um, you know, resources is always um, always tough and there's always more things that you can take action on than you have the ability to. One of the, uh, when analyzing sort of, you know, behavior in the culture and platform, we were sort of seeing there was this moment where it was like, if companies were stuck in like analysis paralysis, where they were like, oh God, what do we do? And then not taking action. What they were trying to actually look for is how do I pick one or two things? And then uh, what do I do with those one or two things? So because um, one thing that I've been super passionate about since joining was building a community of practitioners that I wish existed when I was a practitioner that would have been inspiring enough that, that it might have kept me in, in the actual field. <laughs> right. um, so that, that's been my, my mission with building this, this community that Coltramp's got. And then what we were able to do was actually look at all the actions that people are doing within our community and, and within our customer base. And, you know, when you're trying to, you know, improve manager to employee communication or whether you're trying to improve the sense of belonging inside the company we actually pulled all these different actions that companies had taken analyzed them and then put them into the platform and we've called that collective intelligence that way if you're a two-person hr team and you're at the stage where you're looking to take action there's this whole library of resources there and um you know this is it it, it might just sound like a nice product feature but when i sat down to uh interview one of our customers in, in los angeles um she said to me, and you know, this is probably one of the most powerful stories that, that I've heard since joining the company. And she said, you know, working with Coltramp and having your community, it's made my three-person HR team for, feel like a four-person HR team. And you know, to be able to provide enough value that you're adding FTE that. to a team is, is, is mind-blowing. I yeah. love that. You know what, though, too? One of the things, um, as you're describing it and, and thinking, like even in that example, when you at least when I think back to when I was a practitioner, which kind of overlapped when you were, um, 
one of the things that I think my, my mentors or leaders at the time, I says, you know, we're going to just go after the low hanging fruit. And I think the difference is like with culture amp, what you're doing is you're talking about the most impactful fruit, right? It's not just doing what's the lowest hanging. And I read a blog post not too long ago. I'll give a shout out to Melissa Fairman. Um, she wrote that as, as something she said, you know, stop going after low hanging fruit, go after like the most impactful things. And I think that when you're talking about having, um, all that information from culture amp, you are then sort of going after the most impactful fruit, if you will, versus just doing what seems easiest or quickest or whatever. It still might just be one or two things that's manageable, but it'll be much more impactful because you have that information. And yeah. that's all done there for you, which I think is, is why HR technology is, is becoming so powerful. Um, you know, as a HR graduate back in Australia, mm-hmm. I'm sure there was some spreadsheet going around. We were trying to understand what we, we should be focusing on. And the right. fact that it's all sort of done there for you, it means you just go straight <laughs> to action. You're, you're not there trying to run, you know, multiple Excel kind of formulas to actually say what actually matters. Damn it, man. This has been, so you've, you're kind of, I started off with a healthy dose of skepticism. I'm, 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 you know, I was not the culture guy. I was more kind of, you know, strategy drives culture, which is only empowered by talent. But you're kind of, it's maybe because I didn't have anyone smart, smart as you to explain it to me a little bit better, maybe over the years, uh, which, uh, so I, I appreciate that. I, I, and you guys are doing some really cool things at Culture Amp. And, and, and we do probably need to wrap, but I, we ran into the Culture Amp folks and I think it was Singapore, Trish, maybe, or China? We did, it yes. Singapore. It was Singapore. Yes, we did. Yeah, and just they made a mark so, on that event for sure. Oh they had gosh. the coolest T-shirts. They had the People Geeks T-shirts. I think I have that, right? I think that's what it says on them. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yes. yeah I, Damon, I they were popular. They were very popular. I'm about to G after this. I got to get my hands on one of those shirts, by the way. But um, – <laughs> The I uh, loved it. So uh, it's been really fascinating. I'm glad to have you on the show, Damon, uh, uh, and, and just really cool conversation. And, and thanks for taking some time, at least on the on the cusp in the USA of, of, of a big, long holiday weekend to, to carve out some time to, to spend with us today. Yeah, this has been great. Obviously, when, when you bump into, you know, people like us at conferences, the uh, two minute hello or the Five minutes at the networking event is all well and good, but sometimes it takes recording a podcast to be able to sit down and have a conversation like this. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's super it's great. We really, really do appreciate it. So uh, we do want to, again, say uh, thanks to Damon from Culture Amp, and, and you can learn plenty more about some of the things we talked about today and more. Get in touch with Damon. Get in touch with the community there. You can discover this platform that helps turn your company culture into your competitive advantage, and that's all at cultureamp.com. So thanks again to them and to Damon. Uh, Trish, super fun. Um, uh, we, I will let you go. To, we can get started almost holidaying it. Um, I'm going to hold you to the free solo show. I want to see that on my calendar soon. Um, okay. And uh, we'll take it we from there. That. Does that sound good? Sounds fair. All right. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Remember to subscribe to the HR Happy Hour Show wherever you get your podcasts. And you can check us out at www. Can I tease that, Trish? Can I tease a little something out or, or not? Do we want to keep that under wraps? Like the the uh, the uh, pro- little so- project that's been work we've been working on. Uh, well, maybe we'll save that. Maybe we'll save let's that. let's know. save that. I think we're good. Let's right. save it. All right. Little teaser. Keep keep Little it locked teaser. in the HR Happy Hour show. So great. For our guest, Damon Klotz, for Trish McFarland, my name is Steve Bose. Thank you so much for listening to the HR Happy Hour show. We will see you next time. And bye for now.
Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.